Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. Yesterday, uh, early afternoon, uh, I started seeing, and, and really in the morning I started seeing the articles, but by early afternoon, uh, I started seeing social media pictures and posts uh, celebrating the new year, new me. Maybe some of you guys uh, were doing a few of those things. And I saw just a, a variety of what people interpreted uh, that uh, to be. Uh, obviously, as we, as we move towards that, um, yesterday morning, Australia was already in the new year. They were already a year ahead of us. And so you started seeing news stories about that and how different nations were celebrating and what was going on there. And then all of the posts start kind of hitting around here. And I saw everything from people with new cars, right? They, they actually got that new car for Christmas and they're rubbing our noses in that and showing us how great their life's going to be in this next year with new transportation. I saw announcements for engagements, right? That's a, a, typically a, a big thing around the holidays. Um, guys, like there's a lot of pressure for her to say yes. And so, I mean, that's a sweet spot for you. Um, saw announcements for pregnancies, celebrations of birth. Um, saw declarations of different types of resolutions, resolutions for, uh, for fitness. Um, uh, I've lost 10 pounds in the last six weeks. If you want to know what my secret is, it was an Achilles injury, and I'm jacked up. So I, I highly recommend the result, but maybe not the process if you're looking for a fitness regime. I uh, saw, uh, you know, declarations for resolutions of uh, re- uh, recovery from addiction. I would say that that's a, a good goal. Financial freedom, things like that. Saw pictures of people with new haircuts, new styles, new cuts, new colors, right? Going for it. This is the new me. Uh, I had friends who got new tattoos, that that's how they were going to go into the, the new year. Like the new me, new year, new tat. And it's like, okay, uh, it's just the tattoos new. It's the same old you. Uh, <laughs> moving into that, uh, clothing styles, all, all kinds of stuff. And then the, there were even spiritual ones. Maybe some of you were like, oh, I'm, maybe you would be in this camp a little bit more spiritually uh, astute, like this is going to be your, you're going to actually read through the Bible uh, and get there, right? Not just through the first six books of Genesis or yeah, six chapters of Genesis again, and then just kind of fade out. This is going to be your year. Maybe this is going to be your daily prayer year. You're going to start a Bible study, um, maybe lead somebody to Jesus. You know, all, all things that would be maybe uh, admiral, uh, admirable. Um, I just want, want you to pause for a second. Maybe you didn't post anything. Maybe you were wise enough not to post something that your family's going to be like in two weeks. Hey, uh, what happened to this, right? So some of you are flying under the radar. Um, but just think for a minute, like, wh- what, what about you? Like, what was your year in review? How would you want this year to maybe be a, do- a little bit different? What are your new year goals? They don't have to be necessarily resolutions, but if you were going to pause for a minute and, and reflect which I would encourage you to involve in just kind of the way that you live your life. Reflection is very helpful and important. But if you were to reflect, you know, maybe what would you come up with? And I think about kind of all of these different uh, ways that people approach this idea of new year, new me. And a lot of those things are admirable. Um, they, They are attainable. They're smart goals. They can be celebrated. They can even be commended. 
Um, but one of the things that I find is a lot of times, and this has been my own personal experience and just from observation, we can have really uh, admirable, commendable, smart, achievable goals that we're, we're looking for, and we're putting our hope towards those things, but oftentimes we miss putting our hope in something that's going to last and put our hope in a result, and then we end up being disappointed. I don't know if you've ever been there. If you read the stats on just kind of what we would call New Year's resolutions and the, the number of percentage of people who actually kind of accomplish those things, it's always a minuscule percent every year when they come out with those encouraging statistics. And, and I would just suggest to you there, there's a place where you can be moving towards all of those things. Good, admirable, commendable. You, you should have ways in this next year that you are in faith and in hope moving towards the promises of God being just explosive in your life. There's a way to do that where you put your hope in something that's going to last first and then move into those things rather than just hoping for those things to take place. Like if my new year, new me is my new car, my new style, my new cut, my new tat, my new goal, my new hope, my new, you know, thing, I'm putting my hope in stuff. And I don't know if you found this out yet, but if you put your hope in stuff, like you're going to be disappointed. And maybe you have lived life long enough, uh, but lucky enough to not have experienced that, but just keep hoping in stuff and you'll be disappointed. I can guarantee that for you. And with some of those other things about maybe fitness or recovery or like financial freedom and, uh, you know, uh, spiritual goals, you know, you can put your hope in yourself and you're probably going to be disappointed. You might not think that, but ask your spouse if they've ever been disappointed in you or your kids. They'll be super raw and real with you. Let me tell you, at some point, self is going to be, is going to be disappointing. See, these hopes, when we put them in the wrong things, they're, they're always going to end in some measure of, of disappointment unless they're first place, not in stuff or self, but your hope has to be in your Savior. I just want, I just want to encourage you with just that simple thought before we move into what we're going to talk about this morning. Like, your hope needs to be in Jesus for this new year. And so many people approach a new year, and it's like, I've, I, new year, new me, and I've got new hope. And it's like, don't, you need to put your hope in the one who makes all things new, not in just a new year because the calendar changed. New Year's resolutions are, are in many ways personal goals for us to see our lives transformed, and that's what we're going to be focusing on this morning. If you've got a Bible, I want to encourage you to go ahead and get that out. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, maybe you got a new smartphone or tablet for Christmas, thank you to whoever provided that for you. Open up your Bible app. Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word today. Lord, give us soft hearts to be challenged by your spirit for the places that we have misplaced our hope. Lord, where we have begun to put our hope in the stuff that we have or in the capability of self. Lord, that you would expose those things for folly this morning and that you would draw us back to the simplicity of putting our hope in you. Our hope in you. 
Lord, that we would not just be wishful thinking of this next year, but that we would experience your transformation, that our lives would be transformed by your word and by your spirit, by your very presence in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If your Bible's out, you can go ahead and go to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at a couple verses there and correlating them with uh, Colossians chapter 3. So we're going to be looking at those two things this morning. But what we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about transformation. Because really, at the heart of New Year's resolutions, if you're going to sit down with somebody just in a secular sense, and they were going to give you their New Year's resolution, or they were going to give you their SMART goal for this year, or they were going to give you kind of like their, their target that they're trying to hit, whatever language, whatever metaphor you want to use towards moving kind of forward into that new thing and that accomplishment that is kind of on the horizon and is, that ho- is hoped to, to come to pass, uh, at, at the heart of it, they're hoping that their life will be transformed in some way, that it will be different. Not just that the experiences would be different, but anybody who would be reflective and contemplative and would have a, kind of a growth mindset, they would actually want to become a different person in a sense. Not just experience the world differently, but they would want to grow and that they would want to become. And that language really revolves around the idea of being transformed. It's, a, it's transformation. You can study these types of things in just kind of education and in human development and the way that people grow and develop and learn and become kind of who they are through even seasons and stages of life. But at the root of it is this idea of transformation. And transformation, and I wouldn't, I was going to say coincidentally, but it's not a coincidence. Transformation, coincidentally, I'll throw it out there since I already gave it to you, is at the center of the Christian life. Like what it means for you to be lost and then found, transformation. What it means for you to be an enemy of God and now be a friend of God, transformation. What it means for you to be an outsider and then to be redeemed. What it means for you to be fractured in relationship and then to be reconciled. What it means for you to be broken and then to be made whole. All, all of those things uh, envelop the concept of transformation. What it means for, me, for you to go from like a, a new believer to a disciple of Christ. Transformation. The transformation process and that consideration is really at the heart of what it means for you to say yes to Jesus and then to live that out in your life. And so the Apostle Paul actually writes a lot about this type of a process. What it means to go from where you are today or where you were before to where you want to be or where you should be or where you could be because of what Christ has done in your life. It's a transformation process. At the heart of discipleship, however you would otherwise want to quantify it, is really you going from where you were to who you are now in Christ in a way that it is more frequently experienced in your life and Uh, affecting the world around you as a result of that. It's a transformation process. And in Paul's letters to the church, he actually talks specifically about the process in in a number of different places. His letter to the church in Ephesus, uh, the letter to the church in Colossus, the letter to the church in Rome, all have portions within that letter where he goes into detail about this idea of transformation. And this is the metaphor that he would use, and many of you would be kind of familiar with these ideas. He would talk about the old creation and the new creation. You guys remember that, right? If anyone is in Christ, therefore they are a new creation. The old has gone or passed away, and the new has come. 
That's transformation language. What was is not now what is. Something different. We'll see in just a minute in Ephesians, he uses the old and new type of an idea. In a couple of other places, he'll use the idea of old self and new self. He'll use the idea of old man and new man. I'm not particularly fond of the old man, new man metaphor as I'm getting older because I feel the sting of it. I know he didn't mean it, but I can hear it in my kids' voices, right? So I like the old self or the old creation if I get my preference. But it's indicative of transformation. And so before we look at Ephesians real quick, just whatever you have as a hope for this next year, and maybe you have real, maybe you have little hope. Like maybe you have little faith. Like maybe like your thoughts about what this next year could be are dark and small. I think a lot of people are in that place. We went through this year in 2020, right, where it felt like all the wheels fell off the cart and we're like, if we could just get through it, we'll be fine. And then it's just like it never ended for some people. That it was the next difficulty, the next loss, the next grief, the next tragedy. And so maybe in looking even at this next year, like, man, I don't have any hope for that. I'm just you know, maybe that I make it, maybe I survive. You know, or maybe you have really high, lofty goals and desires. You've, you've endured and weathered those really dark moments, and you've seen where the Lord has come through for you, and you're like, man, if he, if he could sustain me in that, then this year is full of hope and full of promise, and like, let's go, 23, I'm ready to roll. Me and Jesus, we're going to take this place. Like, maybe that's where you're at, and maybe somewhere in between. But as you think about that, what I want to suggest to you is whatever that hope is, whatever that desire is for personal transformation in your life, whatever you're contending for, for the transformation in the lives of your spouse or your kids or your family or community or your government or your world, there's a way that transformation works and then the other ways it really doesn't. And Paul's going to outline some things for us, for the believer, in Ephesians chapter 4. So in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 22, Paul writes this. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. This is the way you used to live, is how he's describing it. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its evil desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So this is, this is one instance. It's not the only. We'll look at another and correlate that in just a minute. But this is one instance where the Apostle Paul is talking about what it looks like for you to go through a transformation process. And it's not just spiritual transformation. It's not just this spiritual epiphany of like, oh my gosh, I didn't believe and now I believe. But there's like this saturation of the life that you live that is being completely turned around and changed. And he uses this metaphor of old self and new self to kind of give us the, the idea. And when you think about old you, whatever that would look like, you know exactly what that is. It's super accessible language. The old me was this, this, and this. 
the new me is this, this, and this. Now, you can use it as a reflective practice. You can, you can really look at your character and your development, and you can look at superficial things, right? The old me didn't have to ascend the stage with crutches. The new me, guess what? Crutch along Cassidy right now. But there'll be an end to this process, and guess what? The old me will be the one who was crutching along, and the new me... I don't know what the camera's going to do because I'll have for weeks and weeks not been able to move and I'm just going to, I'm going to see if they can keep up because it'll be time for Pastor Ben to move. <laughs> but like you, you, you can access that old me, new me. In both positive and ne negative ways. But as Paul's using it here, he's talking about the, the pre-Jesus you. The dead in your sin. The captive. The enemy of God. The old way that you lived for yourself and only yourself. And that everything else was to be used for maybe that purpose. And he says, you were taught to put, put that off. Okay, put that off. Be made new in the attitude of your mind. And then to put on the new self and the result of that created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so he would say, hey, a simple idea of the transformation process for the believer is the old me is being corrupted and deceived by sin. And the new me is walking in true righteousness and holiness. Do you see kind of the, the separate? It's, it's a, you could almost say that's a New Year's resolution. Right? The old me last year treated people like garbage. The new me this year is going to love his neighbor. Like that's, you, can, you can hear somebody say that. It's, a, it's an indication of a transformation that is desired there. There's a reflection. And then there is a resolution. Do you guys see that? Transformation has kind of those two pieces. A transformation process involves those two things. If you go to Colossians chapter 3, he's going to use similar language here. Colossians chapter 3, as he's encouraging the church there, starting in verse 9, he says this. He says, you have taken off the old self with its practices, right? The old self, the sinful self, and the stuff that that guy or that gal would do. You've taken that off, and you have put on the new self. He uses this put off and put on language a lot. He uses this to talk about what it looks like for us to walk in righteousness. He says that you put on the righteousness of Christ, you appropriate it. You get, to, you get to wear that tunic. And your old rags and your old ways are discarded. Similar language that he's using here. You take off your old self with its practices. You put on the new self, which is being renewed. Now look at this. In knowledge, in the image of its creator. And I, I, I want you to catch something in both of the contexts that he uses here. And it has to do with the action. The way that we are to respond or react or the action that we're supposed to take, the way that we are to somehow initiate our role in the transformation process. So go back to Ephesians chapter 4. The verse will be up there quickly. You put off your old self. Okay, so that's, I'm reflecting and this stuff needs to go. I'm going to put on the new self this is the ideal, this is the goal, or this is the type. This is the who I'm supposed to be or who I really am. And then in between there, he says to be made new in the attitude of your mind. 
Okay, so there's something about the way that you think and perceive that has to change in order for that to take place, in order for transformation to happen. In the Colossians passage, take off your old self, put on the new self. You have the same juxtaposition. But the transformation or that change is happening by being renewed in the knowledge, renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Again, something about the way that you think and perceive and understand what is true. Now I want to speak to just a, a, a minute before I answer the question of, well, then what is that? To the way that we normally do it. See, we approach what Paul writes here the same way that we approach New Year's resolutions. The same way that we approach SMART goals. The same way that we approach the things in our lives that we want to see affected and happen. And we put ourselves as the primary action in between those two things. I'm not in shape. I want to be in shape. I'm going to get in shape. I'm in debt. I don't want to be in debt. I'm going to get out of debt. See, it's, it's, it's almost always me-focused. It's self-focused. I'm going to initiate this process, and then the way that I'm going to be successful is I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to work at it. I'm going to sustain it. I'm going to create a 21-day habit. Right? I'm going to read the book. I'm going to go to the seminar. I'm going to do the things. I'm going to even press through the parts that are difficult. All of those things are good, and to a degree, all of them are helpful. But they are also flawed, and here's why. They depend on you. And as much as you don't want to hear this, I know it's true, and so do you. You are undependable. Especially when you overlay it, not against fitness goals or finance goals, but spiritual goals. That you're going to walk into spiritual fruitfulness based on your own work and effort and strength. Like we, You were doing that pre-Jesus and it didn't get you anywhere. You can't do that post either. And so when Paul says, hey, here's this old way, but you need to be transformed into the new, we immediately go, how do I do that? And really what we should go to is how was that done? Because the, the hope that you place needs to be in Jesus, and he's finished his work. And then there's a way for us to walk into that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses six, uh, 17 and 18, when Paul's writing to the church there, he gives us an idea of what it means for us to experience transformation. He gives us the how, how, do, how do we get there, Paul? See, you're renewed in the attitude of your mind because the perspective that you have needs to shift from you putting your old self off like it's a jacket you take off and putting on a new jacket as if it depends completely on you. You need to be renewed in the attitude of your mind because it has already been done by Jesus. It's less of you initiating the action and more of you allowing what he has done to be acted upon you. It doesn't mean that you are not 
uh, a part of it. It doesn't mean that you don't have a role to play, but it is not wholly or even uh, ideally dependent on you. And the same thing is being said in the Colossians passage where we are renewed in knowledge, we're renewed in our understanding in the image of the Creator. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, Paul switches his language and he's talking to the church there about what it means to be uh, led by and initiating relationship with the Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of God. And he says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Right? Many of you know that verse. We talk about that. We, we talk about what it looks like to experience the freedom of Christ and what it looks like to walk into that. And many of us, we could even quote that verse without even knowing any of the stuff that's coming next. And it's so important. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being, look at this, transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. So Paul addresses the idea of the transformation process here. The process of being more and more Christ-like, walking it out, experiencing it, all of the language that would be wrapped around that. And then look, it says, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. See, primarily, if, if you're going to move into anything this year where, where there's significant transformation in your life, whatever that would look like, if you begin with your own uh, goal, desire, ability, your own hope, and you place it in yourself, it's going to be short-lived. Uh, even if you attain it, it will be less than what it could have been. It will be dependent wholly on you, and in some measure will probably be disappointing. But there is a way to even move into those types of things, partnering with the Holy Spirit that changes the whole formula. The way that you put off the old self and put on the new self has to do with partnering with the Spirit of God in that process. A key to experiencing transformation in our lives is, starts with inviting the Holy Spirit into our situation. And accepting his invitation to be led by him into that. There's a way for you to address your physical fitness. Partnering with God, the one who created you and intends for you to walk in that health and wholeness. In a way that there's not only just like success, but where it's partnered with his plans and purposes for your life. The same thing for something as, you know, uh, mundane as finances. There's ways to walk into those things. There's ways to walk out of addiction, partnering with the Spirit of God. There's ways to, to move in a career tra trajectory that opens opportunities, not just for you to meet your needs and to have kind of your, your needs met, but for you to be used by God to impact the community around you and the world at large. There's ways for all of the regular comings and goings and ins and outs of your daily life to be impacted by the Spirit of God so that they would change the dynamic of what's going on around you and impact for eternity. But it requires the Holy Spirit to be part of that. And so when we stop short of anything from that, our hope is in our stuff or our, or our hope is in ourself. And that hope will always be disappointing. But if you will begin this year with your hope in your Savior, then you can move into this new year, new me idea where you actually walk in transformation. You experience that and you get to be a part of inviting other people to do that as well. 
in that Ephesian passage, in that Colossians passage, the two kind of bookends, right? The old self, new self. I'm going to give you two thoughts, and then we'll close. One is that reflection is a piece of that. One of the valuable things about kind of a new year and some of the celebration that comes around that is that it does give opportunity for people to pause and actually think back, to pause and reflect. Unfortunately, most of us do it once a year. And then we have like this lofty goal that lasts for a few days to two weeks and maybe we can kind of get there. But if you would, if you would be reflective more frequently and partner with the Holy Spirit in that. There would be more opportunity for you to identify the things in your life that God wants to change and to shift, to redeem, to recover, to restore, and more frequent opportunity for you to walk into that. And the second part, the other bookend, has to do with resolution. What is, what is the targeted transformation? Can I tell you, Christ follower, if, 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 if you're a follower of Jesus, the, the goal is always the same. I want to live my life like Jesus would if he was me. See, sometimes we ask this question, and I want to frame this for you and, and maybe help you think of this new year in a different way. You know, a number of years ago, was, there was a bracelet that came out, the What Would Jesus Do? Right? And that's, that's good. It's helpful. It gave people to, a, a chance to pause for thought and to think about what they were going to say, how they were going to do it, where they were going to put their resource. It was really helpful. It was awesome to actually see that type of, of uh, a thing engage a whole culture where the secular culture would do what would and they would have to change other things you know to kind of keep up with the fad it was it was actually pretty remarkable you know and a lot of times we think of ourselves in that way like what would jesus do how how do i how do i do whatever jesus would do or how do i be more like him and when it comes to like the personal parts of just your daily life like jesus was a carpenter so if you really, like, what would Jesus do? Like, he'd probably build a new cabinet there. Uh, but he'd probably call the plumber for help, right? You know, he's probably not going to build a cabinet for the water closet. He's going to call the plumber for the broken pipes. Like, I, I say that because sometimes we over-spiritualize just life. I want you to, like, Jesus was real. He did chores. He had a mom and dad. Crazy to think about that. Right? We just celebrated Christmas, and he was born a baby in a manger. I don't know if you've ever sat and really thought about all the implications of what it means to just grow up the way you and I did. When it comes to your life, though, a good transformation goal would be how do I live my life the way Jesus would if he was me? If Jesus was a kindergarten teacher, what would that look like? And then how do I emulate that? If Jesus was a bus driver, how, how would he show up to work? How would he greet people as they came on? What would be his greatest concerns? See, those are goals for this coming year. How, how would Jesus live your life if he was you? And then how do you begin to partner with his spirit to walk that out? Church family, if you would stand, worship team, if you would come forward. We're going to take a moment this morning to do some reflection, just to pause and to reflect. I'm going to pray for you.
And then we are going to walk with the Spirit of God into this new year. And I don't know what He has in store for you, but I believe, I believe that it's good. Even if you go through difficulty to get to it. If you would bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. And we're going to just start with a moment of reflection. If you were thinking about new year, new you, you know, maybe you've already got some resolutions. Maybe you've already got some goals. Maybe you've got some things that you've already started to kind of put into motion or put into place. You've got kind of a plan. You've got some accountability. You've got some discipline. You've got high hopes there. Could you pause before you begin any of that frantic work in your own strength? And could you invite the Holy Spirit to speak into that? To consider how he would walk you through that, how he would lead you through that. Maybe you've walked through a a season or maybe years of just disappointment. So when you think of the next year, it's just same old, same old for you. You're not thinking of anything different. You're not hoping for anything different. You you actually would say something like this. I I don't even want to get my hopes up. Because I've been disappointed. In Isaiah chapter 49, God is speaking through the prophet. And he says these words to his people. He says, those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Lord, we begin this new year with invitations. And we recognize that the first one is, Jesus, your invitation to us. Your invitation to us to come to you, to receive your spirit and to rest in your finished work. And Lord, I just ask just for my own own life, Lord, I ask that you would forgive me for the places where that hasn't been my first step. The places where you've invited me to come to you and to receive your spirit and to rest in what you've done. And I bypassed that and tried to frantically get on with my own discipline and my own plan. If I would have friends in that same place this morning, Lord, we would say, forgive us. Lord, renew our minds. The attitude of our mind has been focused on self and what we can accomplish. We ask that you would change that, that we would be made new and the attitude of our minds that we would be able to walk into putting on that new self, not because we've worked at it or we've accomplished it on our own, but because we've rested in your finished work and we respond to your invitation to come to you. We respond to your invitation, Jesus to live by your spirit, to keep in step with the spirit, to live life spirit-led. And Lord, we also pause and we extend our own invitation to you. Jesus, we invite you into our daily lives, our coming, our goings, our ins and our outs. We invite you to guide us and to direct us. Lord, to guide us through your word, to guide us by your spirit, Lord, to draw us close to you, to draw our hearts to you in prayer. And Lord, we may even see some of those as things that we would want to resolve to be more a part of our life, that we would be transformed into people who would do that maybe more frequently. But Lord, rather than just making that a goal and striving hard to achieve it, we recognize that we just need to come to you, that we just need to come to you. Jesus, we put our hope 
in you. If you know that you need to do that this morning, if you would just maybe speak those words out yourself, Jesus, I put my hope in you. Jesus, I put my hope in you. Jesus, I put my hope in you for the change that needs to happen in my life. Jesus, I put my hope in you for the things in our community that need to be redeemed. Lord Jesus, we put our hope in you. We respond to your invitation. Lord, cause us to be reflective. Draw our resolutions to be ones that are rooted in who you are. Give, give us a daily practice of responding to your invitation to come to you and inviting you to be a part of our day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. A few action steps for you this week. You can snap a picture of these and refer back to them or you can catch them online. Number one is I would encourage you to prayerfully consider where your old self is looking to sabotage God's plans and purposes for your life. As you begin to kind of discover that and kind of wrestle that out with the Spirit of God, consider what would it look like for your new self to be lived out in your life instead. And then as a way to move from old to new, run to Jesus and put your hope and trust in Him today and let that stretch out through this year.